0: But I can't tell you how I know that thing. I can do that thing, but I can't tell you exactly how I know how to do that thing. I just I just know it. I just I can just do it. And it's not the case that if I continue to study it further, then I would be able to explain it. It's the case that I, I it you can't explain it. I think it's a little bit of what Saint Augustine was getting at when he talked about time in his Confession. He begins this long ex- uh, meditation on time, one of, the, one of the most exquisite meditations on time you will find in Western literature. And He begins it by asking, what is time? He says, if no one asks me, then I know what time is. But if I'm called on to explain what I know, then I plainly don't know. I can't explain it. And the end of his long meditation, he still gets to the end and says, I know what time is, but it is something beyond our ability to explain. So there are things we know, we live in, we work with, we, we do things with, but we don't know it. When it comes to skills, the skill often associated, the, the explanation the, the, that is often illustration is riding a bike. I can ride a bike. I hope you're all impressed by that skill that I have. I can ride a bike and i can explain something about how i ride a bike i can tell you a little bit about it and you got a pedal you got a pedal it helps if you know how to use the brakes if you have a mountain bike it's helpful to know how to change gears right and if i studied further i could tell you about cadences and techniques that are used on different styles of bike riding i could tell you those things but when it comes to the core part of riding a bike, staying up, staying balanced. I don't know how I do that. I just do it. There was a time in my life where I couldn't, and then there was a time in my life when I could, and I don't know what happened between those two times, but at some time, point, I just learned how to stay up on a bike, and I could do it. And from then on, riding a bike was it was well like riding a bike. You could just—you just do it. And I suppose when I come to teach my children how to ride a bike, I could suppose if I studied hard enough, I could come up with a formula that tells them about weight distribution upon the bike and how to lean one way or another. And I could share this formula with them, but they would not know how to ride a bike. And they will not know how to ride a bike until they get on a bike and do it. And they will go at one point from not knowing how to do it, and wobbling and listening to me yell unhelpful tips to them as they do it. And at one point, they will go from not knowing how to knowing how. Similarly, those of you, us old souls who learn how to drive on a six shift, right, that how to let up on the clutch and, and push the gas, you know, you can tell me how to do it, but at some point I go from knowing how to do it to not knowing, or knowing, not knowing, and you, you got it, and you just know. And the only way to learn how to do it is to go and do it. Prayer is a lot like tacit knowledge. I don't understand. I know what prayer is. We all know what prayer is. Talking to God, communing with God, praising God, spending time with God. But at the end of the day, there are few things more mysterious in Christian practice and faith then prayer. We don't know what prayer is. If you if nobody asks me, I know. If someone asks me, then I don't. I can't explain it. How does a finite human being caught in time communicate with this infinite being that is so radically, it's a different sort of thing than I am? How does my request have any effect on a God who knows all things in time, who's outside? How does that? I don't know. And how do I how do I learn how to do that? As a skill, how do you how do you learn how to do that? That's what Jesus' disciples asked when they come to him. How do we how do we pray? And it's not that the disciples that the concept of prayer was new. That this was a new thing that came with Jesus and now there was a way to pray. The Jewish people prayed they had great prayers. They've been praying for an awfully long time. Yet the disciples come to him and say, God, Je- or, or Jesus, teach us how to do it well. Teach us how to, how to pray. And Jesus does not come with them with a, with a lecture. As this is one of the most common things pointed out about the Lord's prayer. He doesn't give them some sort of formula of weight distribution as you're praying. He gives them a prayer. You want to learn how to ride? Here's a bike. Let's go ride it. You want to learn how to pray? Here's a prayer. Go pray it. You will not learn the doing of the thing outside of the doing of the thing. The way to learn how to pray is to go and pray. And the first thing Jesus tells his disciples in giving them this prayer is, you want to learn? Go do it. Go pray. That's point number one of this sermon. If you want to learn how to pray, if you want to be effective in your prayer, go and do it. Go and pray. Go spend time with God. But we might say, "But I, I don't know. I don't know what to say when I go do this thing. What am I supposed to say?" Well, let me suggest: if we are serious in that request, sometimes we say that. I, I still don't know what to, I don't know what to say when I pray. Sometimes that is a way. Another way of saying it is, "I just don't want to do it." But if we indeed we are sincere, and I and it happens to all of us, we've come to a point when I want to pray, I feel like I need to pray, I don't know what to say, I have no words. Let me suggest you say this. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Or you could say the full... Version that Matthew gives, either one is fine. I, I list this because one, we read it today, and two, to show that even this smaller version of the Lord's Prayer is effective and given to us as a thing to pray. A lot of commentators spend time—Protestant commentators spend a lot of time arguing. One of the first things they say is, "Well, you, this is really not given as something that we're just supposed to to say." It's not given as something that we're supposed to repeat and pray. It's just sort of a guide. It may work as a guide, but let me tell you, I think it is given to us as a thing to pray. Jesus says, when you pray, say this. It's given to us as a thing to pray. And if you have nothing else to say, say this. Of course it's not the only way to pray. Jesus goes on and prays in many places in words that are not these. And spontaneous prayers that come from our own mind, those are wonderful things and we are supposed to do that, but we also should pray this. And sometimes we say, but you know, you just repeat words and you're not it's not sincere, it's not from the heart. Well, I can tell you from a whole lifetime of praying words that I have come up with my own, spontaneous prayers of my own, I have poured every bit as much insincerity into prayers that I've come up with as I could possibly pour into the Lord's Prayer. And I have poured as much sincerity into praying the Lord's Prayer as I could pour into words of my own. Pray this if you have nothing else to do, go pray. And if you can't think of anything else to do, pray this. Well, yeah, but you might say that doesn't, the Lord's Prayer doesn't contain, doesn't say everything that I feel like I need to say, everything that I feel like I need to pray about. That leads me to point number two. One is go do it. You want to know how to pray, you want to spend time with God, go do it. You will learn. Number two is our prayers contain more than we think. In talking about tacit knowledge, Michael Polanyi, who was given credit for uh, coining the term tacit knowledge, says that we know, as people, we know more than we can say. When it comes to prayer, I think it is absolutely true that we pray more than we can know. That our prayers contain more than we could possibly understand them containing. During DBS a couple of weeks ago, it was, it was fun to go through and remember just how beautifully layered Scripture is. How you can read it at so many different levels. And at each level, it's good and healthy and wholesome. We talked about food. And food is it's just beautiful in Scripture. Food is an initially a gift from God and saying, You are people, you need it. Go enjoy food. Keep up your strength tastes good, food is great. It's a gift I'm giving you. And if we just understand it as a gift from God to keep our bodies strong, that's great. It's wonderful. We give thanks for it. We enjoy it. It's a wonderful gift, and we, we, we praise God for it. But food in Scripture is so much more than that. Explicitly so. Scripture explicitly tells us, when I talk about food, I mean more than just the, the bread, the fruit, the meat, whatever it is that you eat, it's more than that. It's a reminder of who you are and who I am, God says. It's a reminder that you are contingent beings. Life must come into you from the outside. And you must receive that life from me. And it's not just physical life I'm after when I give you food. It's spiritual life, the reminder that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It all, indeed, points to what we do here in communing with God when we come to the table, receiving Him and receiving life. Food does all of that. Prayer is a bit like that. Prayer contains so much more than we even understand it to contain. And if we just see it at the level of what we're asking for, there is great benefit from that. But we should understand that it goes much deeper. Even we, see, we see this even in the Lord's Prayer. And I can spend a lot of time talking about the different ways in which this, this is a layered prayer. But we initially see it as just this beautifully simple prayer. We ask for God's kingdom. We, we praise His name. We talk about it being holy. We ask for God's kingdom to come. Do good on earth. Rule on earth. We ask Him to give us the basic necessity of His life. Give us our bread. We ask him to forgive us our sins. And we ask us to keep us from temptation, keep us from evil. Simple, beautiful prayer. And yet it is a very complex prayer. My confirmation class, I think, knows where I'm going with this. And if you want to get the full benefit of what I'm about to say, you must come to a confirmation class and, and hear the fullness of what I'm about to say. Give us this day our daily bread. Is there anything more simple in the Lord's Prayer than that? God, I have a need for food. Please supply my my need. Please give me food that I need to, to live. Beautifully simple. And that is a good, wonderful prayer. And that's the way we pray that all our lives. We have done good work. It's a good thing. Recognizing our need for God. Simple. It is also one of the most unexplainable phrases in not only the Lord's Prayer, but in the Bible. To put it simply, we don't know what it means. And not just the bread part, the layered food part. We don't know what the daily part means. The phrase says, give us this day our Epiusion bread. We have no idea what Epiusion means. As far as we can tell, it had never been used before here. It is a word that the evangelists completely made up, and we don't know what it means. So, give us this day our epiousion bread. In the Greek, epi means on, upon, about, and "usion" means substance. So, if we are going to translate it One of the most literal translations of this is, give us as they are super substantial bread. Now that's helpful. Now I got it, now I know what it means, right? Give us as they are super substantial bread. Scholars from the very beginning have puzzled over what this means and various explanations and translations have been given. Give us as they are daily bread, what we're familiar with. Give us this day tomorrow's bread, what we need for tomorrow. Give us the bread of the future, looking to the kingdom, all that's been promised us in the great feast. Give us a taste of that now. Give us heavenly bread. And of course, give us the bread of communion. Give us the bread of the Eucharist. All of these have been argued for and have legitimate cause for arguing. Yet all of these have a very simple way of saying it in the Greek that would make much sense, that would just say it simply, and we'd understand exactly what the evangelists are after, what Jesus is after. So mystery here is clearly intended. It's supposed to be mysterious. So what are we getting at? In this simple but very complex prayer, Jesus is saying, God hears more than we ask or say. We are asking for things that we do not know of. What we ask for is beyond us. But don't worry. God hears. God understands. God interprets well. Go ahead, ask me for bread. Go ahead, ask me for bread. And I'll know better than you what you're asking for and I will respond properly." If we go on the rest of our life just asking for daily bread, we're right to do that. But understand, he hears much more than that, and he responds well. This should be a comfort. It is a sign of him being a good father to little children. In fact, Jesus goes on to give this little story at the end of our reading today. I tell you, uh, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to good, give, good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. As parents, we know to listen to our child's request and hear not just what's being asked for, but also hear what they're really after and what they really need in that request. And then we offer an appropriate and good answer to their request. We hear more in their request than they understand. So if my child comes to me and says, dad, I need, I need a, just a big slice of cake, red velvet cake, because that's the best. And I know that, that that's a, red velvet cake, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, it's a good thing, it's a beautiful thing. They're asking for something that's good. But I happen to know that it is just not a good time. It is not a good time for them to have a big piece of cake. About to go to bed, about whatever i just it's not a good time for it but i also know that they haven't eaten in a while and they're hungry and they need to eat something it's just not cake so i might say no you may not have cake but here's a banana have a banana now in their mind there is no connection between red velvet cake and a banana they are two Or horribly different categories, right? Horribly different categories. There is no similarity between the two. It is not apples and oranges, it is apples and baseball bats, right? It is eggs and scorpions. And they will look at me with disdain and say, I came to you asking for cake, and you're giving me a snake. But I know it's not true. I heard their requests, and I know what they need. I hear more than they're asking for, and I will not give them exactly what they want. I give them what I hear the need to be, even if they resent it and say, I won't have your banana. If you, Jesus says, give good gifts to your children, how much more will God give good gifts? to those who ask. that actually what I just read. was Matthew's version. Luke says something more surprising. If you give, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God give you the Holy Spirit? Go and ask for an egg. Go and ask for a fish. Good things. God hears what you need. God gives the Holy Spirit. Come to me, ask. I will give you what you need. May not be what you think you need, may not be what you want, may seem like a snake, but I know how to give good gifts. I know how to hear and interpret what you're asking. I know how to hear more in your prayer than you are praying. And I know how to respond well. This should be a comfort, but it's not very fun, is it? Still doesn't seem right for God not to give me what I want, or to answer a request with what sure seems to be a snake, and all in the name of doing what's best for me. Much of our bitterness, I think, comes from no matter how what we profess to believe, there are a few of us who are able to consistently disabuse ourselves of the notion that at the end of the day, life's really about what I want. Life's really about me getting cake. We want a God who will just say, let them, let them eat cake. It's not about just what I want. It's, it's, We don't want to think of it in terms of purifying our desires so that they are aimed in the right direction. We want to think about it as gratifying the desires I have right now. God won't follow us down that path. God hears more than we ask, more than we know, and He responds appropriately. So pray. Do it and trust God, like a good father, to interpret our prayers in the best possible way and to hear in them more than we intend and answer them appropriately. Prayer, good prayer, is an act of trust. I'm coming to you. I'm going to ask you. I know I may not be asking the right things. My words may not be exactly right. I'm going to give them to you anyway and let you hear them and interpret them properly. I'm going to let them be layered, and I'm going to let you put the layers in them. So pray, trust God to interpret our prayers well, even if it's not how we would like Him to interpret it, and then pray with perseverance. Jesus, in our reading again, gives a, another sort of, somewhat comical, story of a man who has a guest and goes to a friend at midnight. Somehow he is unprepared for his guest and he says, friend, knocking on the door, get up and give me three loaves of bread. I've got a, someone who's come and I've got to feed him." Of course, the friend's in bed. It's midnight. My kids are sleeping. Be quiet and go home. Yet the knocking continues. And finally, to get the guy off his, his stoop, gives him the loaves of bread, and sends him home. And Jesus says, it's not out of friendship here. It's out of, literally, shameless perseverance. It's out of shameless perseverance that the person gets, eventually, an answer. And Jesus says, that's a good thing. Persevere. Don't give up. Keep going to the Father. Go do it and keep doing it. It may well be that we eventually get what we're asking for. Or it may be that as we spend time with God, more and more time with God, our own eyes are changed. And so we see the layers. Like, oh, I've been praying for this, and you've been hearing me properly at this level and been giving me what I needed. And I didn't even know it. It wasn't three loaves of bread I needed. It was something else. Keep at it. I will, I will say this, and I'm including myself in this. This is something we need to hear in our society. We are not, generally speaking, we are not good at persevering. We're just not. We're not good at enduring. I'm not sure, but it may well simply be the the inevitable consequence of of living in a society that is so luxurious, that it has so much. And you don't realize this until you get outside of of this setting and realize how little we are able to persevere and endure. I I could give you plenty of stories, but it's good to know, I'm including myself here, we're not good at it. But it is an important quality in the Christian faith. The Bible tells us over and you need to be able to endure. You need to be able to persevere. To not give up at the slightest headwind. We often say, I, just, I, can't, I can't live like this. Why? Because it's hard. Because it's not comfortable. Persevere. In general persevere, and then persevere in prayer. That's a hard thing to do for us. We will, we will pray once or twice, and then either we don't get it, and so, well, it must not be a good prayer, I'm going to give up, or I just forget about it. Keep going. Don't stop. Build up the muscles, they're important. Pray. Pray with trust. Trusting our Father to hear properly. And then keep going to Him. Don't give up. Go with shameless perseverance. Don't stop. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.